Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. He would always love us and he's good all the time. You don't understand his ways all the time. They're higher than our ways, but he is a good God. And um, Father's Day 2022 is is a a day of challenges in the nation we live in and the world we live in, actually. But whenever the world faces the greatest challenges in maybe a generation, it's at those times that the Father of Heaven the Father of lights, who is, there's no darkness in and all, there's no shadow of turning, those become the greatest days. And as you look back on those days, and as you look back over history and you see those troubled times, that it seems over and over again that uh, the mighty things of God seem to stick out in those rough waters of, of, um, uh, of, of troubled times. The um, saying that I love to guide our lives by is that the miracles are in the messes. If you're wanting to see the hand of God, but yet you want life just perfect all the time and just almost, you know, just uh, all the pieces lined up. How many found out that all the pieces don't always line up? And that sometimes you just gotta, you gotta just take what comes, but it's in those times that Jesus shows up And he makes a way where there seems to be no way. If you never face a situation where there doesn't seem to be a way, you'll never see him making a way for you to get through it. So uh, before we get started, let's um, let's do something. I I don't know that we'll do this every week, but I just I like making this um, declaration as I get ready to go into the Word of God. So take your Bible, whatever version you got or format you've got. Got my old-fashioned one. You're, you might have it on a, on a digital device. But let's stand up and just honor the Word of God today. Repeat this after me. Say, I love the Word of God. It is a lamp unto my feet. It's a guide unto my path. It's a book full of promises. Those promises are yes and amen to those who believe. I believe it today. I believe I can have what it says I can have. I believe I can do what it says I can do. And I believe I am who it says I am. Now look at somebody and say this. I'll never, never, never be the same again because of the Word of God. Holy Spirit, anoint me to be a doer and not just a hearer concerning your Word. Blessed today. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to have you go over to 1 Corinthians. I want to talk to you about the Father's blessing. And I'll talk to you a little bit about how you as a dad and 
you can be a blessing whether you're, uh, you're a mom or a dad, but this is Father's Day, but how you can be a blessing to your family. There is actually responsibilities upon you to, to be a blessing. But really, um, I want to talk to you about how to come to a point where that blessing of the Heavenly Father is released unto your life in greater measure than you've ever had. In, in, as a matter of fact, in the greatest measure that you've ever had. How many, how many are ready to, uh, in, in your journey in life, say, Lord, I need a little bit more of you in my life today. I need uh, not just blessing, but I need more of your presence. I, I need more of your touch. I need more of your strength. I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And here the Apostle Paul was talking to this church that he had founded. And um, in verse 4, or excuse me, in verse 15 of chapter 4, he says, um, first in verse 14, he says, I don't write these things to uh, shame you. Uh, you're my beloved children. And so uh, I want you to understand some of these things. Verse 15, he said something interesting. For he said, for though you have 10,000 instructors, some other versions say, for though you have 10,000 teachers in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers in Christ Jesus. And he said, I've begotten you through the gospel. What he's talking about here specifically as he said, he was their father in the Lord. He he went to this city of Corinth. There was no uh, New Testament church there. There was no gospel work there. And Paul the Apostle planted that church, that first church in that city. And so he was writing back to them, and he was putting some things in order and all of that. And um, he wasn't saying that fathers are greater than teachers. He was just stating the fact that you can have a lot of teachers. And by the way, we need a lot of teachers. Amen. We need a lot of instruction in the Word of God. The point he was trying to make is that you only have one Father in the Lord. Somebody somewhere led you to Jesus at, at some point in your journey. Do you remember? It might have been Grandma. It doesn't mean, mean that it needed to be a man. It's just that somebody led you to Christ. Mine was a, a friend in high school, and, and um, I was just going my own way. My parents were professional musicians, and I was playing in, in taverns and dance halls as a teenager. And this young uh, guy in high school began to talk to me about Jesus. And I had zero interest in knowing anything about Jesus. But the more he began to talk to me, something began to take place inside. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one who begins to reveal that you need a Savior. Anyway, through all of that, I'm not going to get into that testimony, but through that process, I came to a point where I came to Christ and I gave my heart to Jesus. I got saved in a down... Uh, town Skid Row Mission at the Gospel Union Gospel Station uh, Mission in downtown Spokane, Washington in the middle of winter, freezing cold. But it was because of this young friend of mine in high school, and he became, in that sense, he became the spiritual father in my life because he presented the message to me in such a way that the Holy Spirit was able to uh, bring conviction and bring me to a point of decision. And so Paul's telling uh, this church, he said, you, you may have a multitude of teachers, but you're only going to have one father, and you need to remember the importance because that's the one who brought you to Christ. And however that, however that process, I think there's actually a number of people that God uses in bringing somebody to Christ because there's a lot of people who have been praying for you. There's a lot of people been witnessing to you. There's a lot of people been ministering to you. And they're all doing this uh, uh, process of, of birthing, if you will. And so you go over to Malachi. 
Uh, we're going to touch a verse here before we get into our main text. Over in Malachi chapter 4, the last verse of the entire Old Testament is dealing with uh, the heart of the Heavenly Father and revealing some of the works that He's going to be doing in the very end days, which I believe we're living in. I believe we're in... Um, in a time of the end, I believe Jesus can come. I believe that the blessed hope of the church, we all need to be ready to go. Amen. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, it says, uh, well, in verse 5, it says, Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, He will, that is, God will, the Father of heaven will. And this is what He's going to do. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And He's going to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's a remarkable verse. I know for most of my life, uh, particularly in our Western culture, uh, there's been a complete breakdown and breaking down of the family unit. Uh, I've read this verse many times. I've prayed over this verse. I've looked for it. But I will say this, that in the days that we're living in right now, I'm seeing some glimmers and, 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 and uh, um, stirrings, and I'm like, Wow, I think Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, there's something beginning to turn there. The hearts of the fathers being turned to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's a work that only God can do. Uh, probably starting in the, in the revolution, during the cultural revolution in the 60s and then going through 70s, 80s, 90s and on through, there was a, a breaking down. There's still a tremendous pressure to break down the family unit. Uh, in our society. It's tremendously strong. It's a work that's uh, produced right out of the pit of hell. But something is going on that, and, and this is just a side note. This is not where I'm, I'm going with my main thought today. But um, we, are, uh, we are living in a day, possibly this week, something so culturally um, monumental could possibly take place that it'll probably produce riots in the land. It'll probably produce turmoil. It'll be all over the news. But the possibility that the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade. You see, I think the church made a big mistake by not talking much about that back in the early 70s. And so it swept in. But now we're more awake. Now those things that Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 was talking about, we're more aware of it. That uh, God's doing something in, 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 in the culture of our nation. It seems like the division is getting wider and wider. But as that division gets wider and wider also, the uh, work of the Holy Spirit in strengthening some things is becoming incredibly more effectual, I believe. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to burden you down with a bunch of statistics, but there's one that I'm particularly encouraged about. My wife used to work at the Pregnancy Resource Center in Coos Bay, Oregon. And she was, um, um, she was a teacher. And she would go into the high schools and teach how to make good decisions and sexual abstinence. Uh, I prayed for her every day, teaching high school boys about that topic. It was, uh, I prayed, Lord, just help my wife. She spoke to thousands of students all through, all through the south coast of Oregon. And over a couple of years, but um, there was something uh, that, because of her connection there, we began to get some of the inside statistics that I was surprised were not really out in the in the in the public domain at least uh, at that time, and and we're beginning to hear more and more of it now. And that um, the uh, rate of abortion is falling dramatically. That's one of the cultural shifts that's going on. 
Specifically, something's happening in, in young uh, African-American women in particular where they're not choosing the way of abortion as much as they were before. And as you get into that a little bit, they had some speakers come in and talk about it. As you get into that a little bit, what it was was not just happening in, in the ladies, but something was going on in the young men within their culture. And that is, they were stepping up and getting jobs more. They were stepping up and saying, I'm, I, 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 I want to be responsible. There was something going on. And guess what? You're not going to hear that in the news media. The news media is going to tell you just the opposite. But... We made the, we made the declaration about this book being powerful and real and blessing, right? And the promises of God are yes and amen. One of the promises was, is that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Something's going to begin to take place where men are going to say, I don't want you to get rid of that son or daughter of mine. I want to be there. I want to do something. And that's happening. Maybe, maybe undercover, maybe not on the evening news, but there's something going on. So this Father's Day, I believe that the Father of Heaven is releasing blessing according to Malachi chapter 4 when he said he's going to be doing something into that family structure and family unit. Now, the great thing is, is that as the church, we've had that answer all along, haven't we? We believe in strong marriages. We believe in strong in dads being there. We believe in mom being there. We believe that, oh, we're not perfect. We never have been and we never will be this side of glory. But we're giving it the best shot we've got. And God said that he's going to help us to do that. Somebody say amen. And so what really I want to go uh, into today, which is kind of that, that the, that Maybe, just maybe, we're living in that season where the Holy Spirit is doing a work. Where something that has stood for, what's that been? What was 1973 to now? Somebody's good with math. Uh, is that 50 years? Something like that? That decision the Supreme Court's going to over, possibly overturn? If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm a big pro-life guy. <laughs> we'll just get that right out on the deck. I'm a big pro-life guy. I've never been arrested, thank God. But as close as I've ever come was in pro-life marches. And uh, uh, and had a good enough sense when they came in and started arresting, I slipped to the back of the line and, and, and that kind of thing. But whatever. Uh, uh, but this has been something uh, that's been on my heart. It actually started years ago in, in Concord, California. When, when, when we were there and Mike and Teresa, uh, were, were, uh, part of that for a while. And there was a great, a great emphasis of pro-life began to go on. God is the one who's originally pro-life, by the way. You know that. Way back in the very beginning, what did he say? He said, you don't, you shall not kill. And we, we won't get into all the, all the intricacies of that. But I will say this, the heart of the Father is that you live and not die. The heart of the Father is that you bless and not curse. So I'm going to go over to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 32. We're going to look into a, into a dad who was not perfect. Into a man who was not perfect. Oh, by the way, if there are any of those perfect ones that are here today, you better slip out quickly while you can. <laughs> Because the only thing perfect, whether it be this church or any other church, 
uh, in the gathering of saints together. All, we're, we're, we're all people who have been redeemed from the curse of the law. We're all people who have received the blood of Jesus. And that we are the righteousness of Christ. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's his perfection, not yours, not mine. But over in chapter uh, 32 of the book of Genesis, we, we, we're fine right in the middle of a, of a life story of a very significant figure in the Old Testament. His name was Jacob. And uh, Jacob would later become Israel. But uh, Jacob's family was a mess. They started out good, but they kind of had them. Uh, they kind of had some messes along the way. Uh, I'm not going to give the whole background story, but where we're picking up uh, Jacob right here is uh, he was he was dealing with some of the dysfunction between him and his brother, him and his sibling, because earlier when his dad was getting ready to uh, go uh, go to be with his fathers, when he was getting ready to pass on, in that day, uh, the father would bring his children and he would pronounce a blessing over them. Well, mom, uh, uh, mom uh, Jacob was mom's favorite. And the, and the first blessing to be released from the father really belonged to Esau, the firstborn. But Jacob got mixed up in a thing and he stole his brother's blessing. And so now, decades later, it's still brewing underneath. Jacob leaves home uh, not too long after that, gets married. Uh, he, he goes into the employment of a, of a Syrian named Laban, falls in love with his uh, second-born daughter, and uh, said, okay, I'll work for you, Laban, uh, to have uh, her. And instead of getting the second-born daughter, uh, Laban tricked him and he got Leah. Didn't realize it till it was too late. And he's like, wait a second, this isn't what the deal was for. He said, well, the, in, in our culture, uh, the second-born doesn't get married before the firstborn. So to have the second, you've got to take the first two. It's two for one package. I don't, it's Old Testament. That, don't ask me to explain it. Don't ask, don't ask me to sit down and have a theological conversation. I'm just going to say, I don't know. That's between God. But So he worked out a deal. Okay, I'll work another seven years for Rachel. But it just went on and on and on over over the years. And there was struggles and turmoil and family issues and problems between the father-in-law and, and Jacob. And finally, he, he just can't take it anymore. He gathers all up and he slips out in the middle of the night. And, and uh, Laban came after him and he was afraid that he was going to kill him, as a matter of fact. And he finally got that mess worked out. And then all of a sudden he hears, Esau is coming with 400 men and he's looking for you. Sometimes it seems that it not only does it rain, it pours when things begin to go wrong, isn't it? Have you ever been there? You get one problem kind of fixed, and all of a sudden here's another problem, and it's bigger than the one you just fixed. And this one really, really um, bothered Jacob because he knew his brother uh, Esau was a gun nut. 
He was a hunter. He was an avid sportsman and all of that. And uh, so Jacob started doing all the... Jacob would always try to work the angles a little bit. He was a supplanter. That's what he was... I don't know what you would call it, maybe a trickster these days, that kind of thing. He was always, he was always trying to work deals behind the scene. And so he started doing all this, all this stuff. He was sending the women and children out ahead. He was trying to find a way. He was really trying to find a way to survive. He was fearful for his life. And then the greatest thing that needed to happen within Jacob's life, the Spirit of, of God showed up in the middle of all that and really began to do the work that ultimately needed to be done in Jacob's life. The father's blessing really was getting to be released upon Jacob because he was a man of promise. He was a man of destiny. He was a man uh, that would be the father of the nation Israel. He had 12 sons. And guess what? Those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. Maybe you're not familiar. You, don't, you might think, well, that doesn't have much bearing on me. But there will come a day for every one of you that knows Jesus. And you go to heaven. And go back and find You'll find in the book of Revelation... Uh, those, uh, there, there are 12 gates in heaven. And every one of those gates is named for one of the sons of Jacob. You're going to go through one of those gates. I don't know which one. But you think, oh, it doesn't have any... But when you go in, you're going to be seeing, oh, Benjamin, oh, Levi, oh, that's, that's his fourth son, fifth son. I don't, I don't know which one, but it's remarkable. And the reason I'm saying that is somehow within all this is very, very important to God. It was very important to God. He was right in the middle of this. Do you know what? That even though he was the father of the faith and all of that, uh, he's no important, no more important than the plan that God's working out in your life right now. It's just that important. God has a purpose for you, has a plan for you. And and we're going to look at a few uh, uh, things that the Lord did in Jacob's life and a few things that Jacob did in response to what the Lord was dealing in his life that changed everything around. Verse uh, Chapter 32, verse 22, let's just begin to read. And he, that is Jacob, arose that night. He took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed over the, the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. Significant point, by the way, gentlemen. All of us, actually. He was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And have prevailed. It's not how you start so much, it's how you finish. It's how you end up. be saved that are endure till the end he prevailed Jacob asked saying tell me your name I pray many think if you look I imagine in your Bible and it says and there was a man that wrestled with Jacob uh, how many in your Bible that that man is is capitalized it is uh, the reason for that is that uh, 
the original translators, indeed, most uh, 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 theologians believe that this was a pre-incarnate in, uh, uh, visitation of Jesus, that he was wrestling with Jesus himself. That Jacob's plight was not just something that was a family squabble going on with all the other families of the earth. Jacob's plight somehow got the attention of God. Jacob uh, didn't do anything special because God's always looking at all of our situation. He knows the beginning from the end in every one of our lives. And he's very much concerned for that. But there were four things that happened in Jacob's life as he was, as he was uh, in great distress, as he was facing, literally, he was fearing for his life. And something began to take place within his life. The first thing happened is that he found himself alone. Can I tell you and suggest something to you that uh, maybe God is working things within your life right now so that you will begin to spend more time alone with him. Because no matter what you're facing, whether it be good, bad, or otherwise, there is only one thing that you need more of in trying to find the solutions of life, and that is you need the mind of God to be upon you and in you and working through you and directing you so that you know what the best action is to take. And a lot of times, yeah, there's, a, there's safety in a multitude of counsel. There really is. But there are also a time when you need to get alone with God. The old timers had it right. How many uh, ever remember, maybe in your journey somewhere, uh, you've heard the phrase, just praying it through. There are some times that you just need to get alone with God, especially if you're in distress, and begin to pray it and pray it through until you begin to get a peace that comes from heaven. That's what was happening to Jacob. Uh, I think sometimes that uh, the 24-7, not just news cycle, but information cycle. We've been staying up at the campground this week. And uh, uh, there's been, it's, it's been good. I've been working at the campground, helping, uh, helping uh, Pastor Ed out on all of that kind of thing. And camps are getting ready to come up. They were talking about that last week. But there's no cell phone or signal or Wi-Fi at the campground. It's Salmon Falls Campground. And I don't even know how the withdrawal the children must go through when they're there. Because, uh, uh, now, not me, but I watched my wife shake over in the corner when she was trying to get on the computer and it wouldn't do it. <laughs> she finally found one spot under a tree with an opening. And she stands out there in the middle of the rain and just, no. <laughs> I think at times there's so much uh, uh, information coming at us that the idea of spending time alone with God, it doesn't even enter into the picture. Maybe, just maybe, God is trying to get your attention and say, hey, would you just lay some of that aside and spend an hour with me? I won't go in and preach that message, but there was a time when Jesus said, could you not tarry an hour with me? Jacob was alone. And it was during that alone time when there was no support, when there was nothing else left around him to uh, uh, help him, that uh, something took place. It says that at that time that Jacob was left alone and a man showed up that uh, I believe it was, it was Jesus. It, uh, that's that's uh, uh, what I believe is the best translation of this. This, this uh, uh, pre-incarnate supernatural visitation of the Son of God showed up and got into a wrestling match, a physical wrestling match with Jacob. 
Now, I don't know that uh, we're looking for those kind of things. Maybe if, if that happens, whatever. But I do know this. God will show up. And when he does, there is going to be a wrestling match. It's going to be whether uh, your flesh wins or whether your spirit man wins. That's what's going to be the wrestling match. God is continually trying to draw us closer and closer to him. This whole idea of, of wrestling is that uh, uh, it's, it's, it is that there's going to be some effort if you're going to win the battle being put forth. Listen, the walk with God is not a walk of the complacent for complacent people. Living for God is not a walk where you just kind of lay back and just whatever will be, will be. No, you're going to have to lay hold of, of the things of God and you're going to have to hang on to them at times. Spencer, Pastor Spencer last week, preached a great message, by the way. When he came to the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit, remember the 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 pop cans, the cola cans he had uh, up, and he said, you're going to have to lay hold of one of those. You're going to have to find which one you need and get a hold of it. And I thought, good job, Spencer, because that that is Bible. Here, Jacob was in a bad spot. He was now alone. The Spirit of God showed up, and God wanted to get some things straight. God wanted to have a wrestling match with him. The remarkable thing is that Jacob hung on. That Jacob didn't let go. This man wrestled with him. Something inside of him, I absolutely believe, understood, recognized, was spiritually enough aware, he recognized, this is, this is God's presence. This is something that I need more than anything else within my life. He'd always been one who was trying to work the angles. He was always the one trying to get more goat and more sheep from his father-in-law. He was getting the blessing from Esau, his brother. He was always working these things. He was, he was working for seven more years for Rachel, but now something showed up that was really really worth getting a hold of. I don't care what you've been pursuing within your life. The greatest thing that you can lay hold of is the things of God within your life. That's the greatest thing that will be of more value to you than anything else. And the Spirit of Lord will show up within your life. You might think, well, that only happens to pastors or evangelists or to missionaries. No, it happens to everybody. You just need to sometimes be put in a position where nothing else will fix your problem except God. You run out of enough of you. You run out of enough of support. You run out of enough help from every place else. The government can't help you. Family can't help you. Friends can't help you. Education can't help you. There's only one thing that can help you, and that's Him. When you get there, you're about to turn the corner and see what real deliverance is all about. He wrestled with Him. And he didn't let go. And so it says that he wrestled all night. I don't know about you, and I, I won't even get into it that much, but I, I love MMA fighting, and if, if that bothers you, please forgive me and, you know, cover me in the blood and all of that. But uh, some uh, usually the battle ends up, uh, the winner of the battle ends up who has the most will to stay in it and not quit. You know you win if you don't quit. You win if you don't quit. He didn't quit. He prevailed against him. 
And uh, uh, finally, this uh, wrestling match was coming up in the morning. And it says, now when he saw that he did not prevail, the he here is this, is this supernatural man that he's wrestling with. He said, uh, uh, he's not going to let me go. He does not, I'm not going to be able to get him to shake me, uh, to shake him off. And it says that he, he touched him with his hip. He dislocated his hip. It permanently injured Jacob at that point. Jacob was never quite the same after that. You need to have an encounter where you're never the same. You need to have an encounter with God where you're never the same after that as before. This became a demarcation in Jacob's life. Y'all, his name was changed. Absolutely. But something happened to him that he knew from that moment on. I met God at that place. You know why I believe in camp meetings for young people? Oh, you guys know. You've been there. I helped direct that camp years ago when I was pastoring in Portland. I'll run into people, especially down in the Roseburg area. Roseburg in those days sent up a lot of kids. When they recognize who I am or we get acquainted, at some point I'll go, and when it gets on camp, I've heard it over and over again. Man, those camps did so much in my life. I was like, you were the craziest one there. What are you talking about? Did you? I thought you were... <laughs> Somewhere in your life, you need to have an encounter that you're never the same again afterwards. It's going to take you getting alone with God at some point. It's going to take you wrestling some things through with heaven and with the Word of God and with the kingdom of God and with the power of God. It's going to take God coming in and doing a shift within your life where you go, it was me before, and after that encounter, this is me after. And uh, uh, I, I can remember some things in my life. Hopefully most of you or all of you can. But there was a, a point here where in his wrestling with God, something shifted within him. And, and uh, God actually challenged him. He said, I want you to let me go. And Jacob said, I won't let you go until you, until you bless me. I need the Father's blessing. I need heaven's blessing on my life. When you get to the end of your rope and you're sick of doing it your own way and you get to the point where you're saying, God, I need you more than anything else I need in my life. Lord, I need your touch. I need your favor. I need your blessing more than anything else. Can I uh, tell you something? And I've learned it through my life through decades of serving the Lord is that the favor of God being upon your life is more important than any single other ingredient you can have. It's more important than education and I believe and love education. It's more important than money. It's more important than power. It's more important when you have favor with God and with man, as the Bible talks about on, on a number of individuals. But whenever there's a favor of heaven resting upon you, God opens doors that need to be opened and he shuts doors that need to be shut. He will give you favor with, with people that maybe you've never met or never known before. The favor of God makes crooked places straight. The favor of God, really what is the favor? It's the smile of heaven. It's the thing that God is with me. He's for me and not against me. And that's what was happening here within Jacob's life. He said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I got to face my, I got to face my, my, my big brother out here, Esau, and I, I know he wants to kill me. I need something from you, God, that nothing else in this world can take the place of. 
that's what I'm trying to get into your, into your heart and into your mind today. And he said, uh, he said, I want you to bless me. Years ago, uh, there were a couple of revivals. One was, one was in the early to mid nineties and it was in a place called Toronto, Canada. And there was some controversy about it. There were, some thought it was, was legit and others didn't think it was legit. And, and, uh, uh, I made several trips there and I was greatly touched by God, took some of the pastors that I was serving with at that point and we went there. And anyway, that revival, uh, became known as the Father's Blessing. And one of the main things that happened there, there's a lot of crazy stuff happened. And, uh, oh, you think revivals, uh, let me just tell you, revival's messy. So as revival comes here to people's church and to, and to Washington and to Vancouver, uh, guess what? It'll be messy, um, but it's worth the mess, amen? And so uh, uh, that revival became known as the Father's Blessing. And the reason for it, millions of people went there. But in it, tens and tens of thousands of preachers and ministers went there that were broken, that were busted, that were disgusted, that were worn out, that were burnt out, that had reached the end of their ministerial rope. And while there, it wasn't that the preaching was so great or that the worship was so great or that the building was so great. There wasn't anything about that that was so great. But what was great is that supernaturally, those that came into those meetings at certain during that season uh, and that they were about to the end of the rope became rejuvenated and revitalized by the Spirit of God. And they signed back up for another, uh, for another hitch in the ministry, if you will. They sang back up. They were uh, restored and that it was the Father's blessing them, not just another group of meetings. We, we've got church. I mean, my goodness, we've got all kinds of church going on. And that's good. I love church. But we need more of heaven coming and invading our lives. The Father's blessing changed my life, actually. There was another revival just a few years after that happened in Brownsville, uh, Florida. Pensacola, Florida. I went to that as well. Totally different revival. Uh, but the president of Grace International, Steve Riggle, went to that meeting. He pastored a mega church, uh, 10, 15,000 people, and uh, went to that meeting. And I'm just re, re, uh, retelling his, his testimony that I've heard him share in public. And uh, went to that meeting just saying, God, what's next? What can, I need something fresh and new from you. And at that meeting, under Steve Hill's ministry, the Holy Spirit visited him. And going home, he made some re, um, uh, uh, recommitments to the Lord. Went home and over the next number of years began to experience revival in the Houston, Texas area. The Spirit of God touched him in a specific place in a specific time, just like he did Jacob. What happens whenever that takes place within your life is that identity changes. That's the point. Identity changes. Jacob, you're no longer going to be called Jacob. Now, your name is going to stay the same. Uh, uh, you're going to look the same. You're going to talk the same. You're going to, you're, going to, you're going to be known as the same person, but the people that really know you and get around you much, they're going to, they're going to know, wait a second. Something's, something's changed. Something's different. 
the fear that once dominated is gone. And you can go down the list or whatever it might be. You see, uh, uh, having a visitation of God come in your life changes everything. Now, I, I, don't, it's, I don't know this church to, to speak into that, but I know people well enough. We all need one of those. We all need a fresh visitation of heaven. I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. And specifically, dads, your family needs you to have a visitation of God in your life. Why read the Bible with my, with my family every night? That's good. Keep doing it. Why don't you add it in the breakfast table as well? <laughs> there's always, there's always way use, you, you can enhance it. But really what they need to see more than anything is they need to see you serving God. More, that that's more important to you than anything else within your life. Ladies, as, as you minister to your family, to your, to your kids, or maybe you're saying, oh, don't have kids, or you're a grandma, it doesn't matter, but whatever your circle of life is, they need to see you so impacted by serving Him that they know that, that uh, their service to God means more to them than anything else. I remember when I first got saved and was telling my mom and dad, and they made their living by playing in dance halls and bars and that kind of thing. And uh, I got in filled with the Holy Spirit and said, you know, guys, uh, mom and dad, I don't, I don't, I just don't want to go back in there anymore. And I remember they became furious with me. I was 17 years old, needed to find a new place to live, all that kind of thing. And, uh, but I remember my mom telling me, she said, Gary, this is going to wear off. You wait and see. You're going to come, you're going to come back. I can testify to it, it never wore off. The addiction only got worse. <laughs> there was there was a number of decades where I gave more hope for a derelict in downtown Portland getting saved than I did for my mom and dad. There was such a, a hardness and a bitterness there. And I got a phone call one day, and my mom was on the phone, and I thought, well, my dad just did something crazy and probably messed up. I could hear something in her voice. She said, Gary, I want to tell you something. Your dad and I got down on our knees today in our living room after watching, I think it was Jimmy Swagger, but after watching a, 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 a Christian show on TV and we both gave our hearts to Jesus. It changed our family completely. Fathers, all of a sudden, the, re, the, the reunion of the father and the son became remarkable. Man, what I'm calling you to do today is just would you consider pressing in and getting a fresh touch from heaven this Father's Day? How about all of us? Would you consider, no matter who you are, I don't care, man, woman, child, old, young, it doesn't, would you consider pressing in and laying hold of heaven in such a way and saying, I'm never going to let go? I'm going to ask you to bow your head if you would and let me pray a, a blessing of heaven over this church today. We've just, uh, you all have had your father go to be with his father. Pastor Larry 
has gone on to be with the Lord and all the things that have gone with that. And if there's ever a time where this, where a church needs to be calling out, God, we need the Father's blessing. It's this church right now. I'm here. I can never replace Him. I don't pretend to replace Him. It's just that in the, in the doings of the Lord, I can say this, that we're here and we're going to give it everything we got in serving and pursuing Him. And I want you to be, uh, uh, united with me on this, that God, we're putting you as the head of our lives today. Um, who was it? It was Joshua that said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I know that that's your heart here today. But God, I pray a blessing over this church. Lord, I release a blessing of heaven over uh, people's church today. That, Lord, you would come and some of us need to have a wrestling match with heaven. <laughs> Lord, some of us need to have fresh encounter with you, God. Lord, today, some of us need to be signing up and saying, God, I want to re-up in the, in the army of the Lord like never before. God, is for me and my house, we're going to serve you no matter what. I don't care what the age does. I don't care how bad our culture and society gets. Lord, we're going to serve you no matter what. It's going to be the unpolluted, undiluted, full counsel and gospel uh, kingdom that we preach and decree here, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring signs and wonders. Your Holy Spirit would bring supernatural visitation, God. And that, Lord, the old would pass away in all things of our lives. Behold, everything becomes new and fresh within the anointing touch of heaven. Lord, I pray that this week, uh, even uh, those that are dry and thirsty will begin to have spiritual encounters in the night, dreams and visions, God. Lord, I pray there will be fresh baptisms of the Holy Spirit that would come upon us. God, I pray that there would be a fresh zeal and enthusiasm that would touch our spirit and touch our life in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray today for our country, America. I pray, oh God, that uh, this country would have a revival that would sweep from coast to coast and border to border. Lord, I pray that this city and this church would come up under a fresh move of heaven like we have not seen in a long time, Lord, in our nation. Our nation needs to turn back to God and serve you like never before in Jesus' name. We stand in the gap for, Lord. Lord, I pray today that there will be a fresh fire that would ignite within every heart. Lord, we commit ourselves and dedicate ourselves. God, we're not going to let go. We're not going to turn from the side. We're not going to look left to right. We're not going to go back. God, we're pressing forward to the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. And everybody that wants it and received it said, yes and amen. So be it, Lord. Let's give Jesus a clap of praise. He's an ever-present God. He's always there to help and deliver in Jesus' name. Pastor Mike. Before you go, ladies, would you just have a seat right where you're at? And gentlemen, stay on your feet for just a moment. Give give me two minutes here. We have a couple of young helpers that are going to bring some gifts for you guys, okay? Go. Go. This is a token of our love and our appreciation for all you guys. Whether you're a dad or not, that doesn't matter. Uh, We've all got people that we care for and love. So the, the little girls are bringing around a gift, a token of our appreciation. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're good little helpers. They're good little helpers. We appreciate that. They did that for the ladies at, on Mother's Day with the roses. And uh, I guess we could do chocolate then, too, because it would probably be more appreciated, wouldn't it? <laughs> How many people like chocolate? Huh? You like chocolate? 
Chocolate over flowers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So every man in the in the room should have gotten uh, a candy bar. You're good? Okay, everybody back on your feet. Everybody back on your feet. What a great day we've had in God's house. Pastor has prayed over us, and so consider yourselves dismissed, and let's have a great week this week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday morning.